0: So, what we're going to talk about is a sneak peek that normally only a uh, member, that is the person who signs up uh, for the kit plan on my website, would get this information. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to start introducing some pieces of it so that if you want to get the full story, I mean, I'm going to give a lot of details here, actually. In fact, I might give more detail than you'll actually see written on the website. So, I shouldn't say it's a sneak peek. Or a reduced version or anything like that. Instead, what I should really say is because this is a podcast and the format is longer, you're probably going to get more information here than you would uh, just on my website. But there will be uh, visual content and videos and things like that supporting uh, the website content. And, And also it has a search function and that makes it a lot easier to get to the information quickly. So I do believe it's worth uh, subscribing to. And again, if you don't know my uh, plan for the plans, uh, the first plan is a what I call the minimal plan. And that is $1.99 per month. Yeah, US $1.99. And then the other two plans are the basic for $4.99 per month, and the advanced for $9.99 per month. And my plan is for those three levels to have, uh, so starting with a minimal uh, kit, It has everything um, relating to building the minimal kit, which is a cell phone on top of your regular camera. And then the plays, I call them, the plays, the how-to part, is specific to that kit. But just by nature, there aren't as many plays in the minimal kit, and there's a lot less gear. Uh, If you don't count the cost of the cell phone, the minimal kit is the least expensive. But then comparing that to the basic kit, uh, the basic kit plan being $4.99 has more uh, things to do. That is, you have more how-to content. You have, and there's, you know, you have a list of a longer uh, requirements of for your gear, and there's more complexity. So it's more of an, um, I guess it would be a, a technique that is more difficult than the minimal usually. Although there are going to be some things in the minimal kit that Are going to be uh, you know take some practice but then the advanced kit goes beyond all of those and it includes techniques that i don't classify as being easy uh straight off Uh, i would just say that they are easy when you build on from the minimal to the basic and then go to the advanced i that's the progression i took and really i i feel like the the advanced uh, techniques are pretty easy um that I use on a day-to-day basis. And I I say that just based on my own personal um, experience. But I think that you, you'd find it is is easy once you are at that um, kit level as well. So don't worry too much about it being, um, you know, the word advanced. Sounds like you can't get there, right? Sometimes you feel, or sometimes one may feel that you can't just jump in and grow. But I think it's really a good thing to know that you could even jump in at the basic level and you know, I mean, if you have no knowledge at all, and start there and quickly progress to the advanced. So, but let's talk about the subject for uh, this episode today. And that is, it's a, a specific thing I'm going to talk about relating to covering three different sensor formats. So we've got these these three classifications that I've been using um, for sensor format. First, is Micro Four Thirds, the smallest size, which is a 2X crop. The second is most commonly uh, Super 35, but uh, Nikon calls it DX format, um, and Canon has something that's a little bit more crop, which they call APS-C. And the crop factor for those formats, that is uh, Super 35 or APS-C, is either 1.5X or 1.6X, respectively. So that's the second sensor size, or format, I call it. And then the third is full frame. So essentially, when we talk about um, full frame versus, uh, I was almost going, I had a few times where I almost called it medium format because it's the in-between, but really it's Super 35, and then down to the smallest sensor, uh, 2X, which is micro four thirds. So what we have is a need Because I'm trying to standardize, and I'm trying to build what I call plays, and those plays have a description of what lens to use, how far away to be from the subject, uh, where to place the lights, using a clock system, where the subject is at the center, which would be the dial of the clock where the hands come out. The subject is at the center, so the person or the place or the thing or whatever actually when I'm talking about architectural, it's, it's not really going to fit the clock system, but a person or a thing will be in the center of the clock dial, and then your camera is always going to be at 6 o'clock on the dial. So straight ahead from the subject is the camera, and 6 o'clock is your reference point so that when we talk about where the lights are placed, where the mics are placed, where anything else is placed in proximity to the subject and the camera, we know the camera is always at six o'clock on the dial. And my standard is, the camera is always two meters from the subject. And that is a general statement, meaning there are exceptions. But when we do this, when we classify and we standardize, I should say, we are now able to say what focal length to use in what situation. And this is what I'm gonna talk about today, is this method that I have um, based on the clock system needs to specify focal length to, you know, to, well, here's the here's the end of the game. The end of the game is that you want to be able to take shots from either format, either the smallest Micro Four Thirds or Super 35 or full frame, and make them match. So if you have two different photographers, two different uh, DPs, or if you have people shooting on different formats, you can take the footage and put them all together in one film and have it look consistent right so for instance the thing i talk about quite often is the interview setup i have a tight shot and uh, a wide shot it's really a medium wide but i just call it tight and wide so two cameras always and the the tight shot for an interview um, on a micro four thirds format you want it to still look the same if you're going to match footage to a tight shot from full frame so i have a chart i'll be making this available on my website but It's also a very easy thing to memorize. I have a chart though of what lens is the tight shot and what is the wide shot and what that means on either full frame, super 35 or micro four thirds. So that's the goal here. Now let's talk about some details. So my thought process here is going to be a little bit long but I hope you can see that the end result is simplicity. So, I'm going to put some statements out here. I don't know if I should put them out early and then let you go, what, really? Or should I do a bunch of explanation and then put the statements out so you see that uh, I have some reasons for those uh, ideas? I think I'm going to do a little bit of both. I am I have a hard time hiding, you know, they say hiding the hook. Uh, I don't like to uh, have, you know, when I read an article in a magazine or newspaper, I don't like to be reading the article and You know, they hide the main point for the very end so that you'll listen to the whole thing. So I'm just going to tell you really quickly what all of this um, ends up uh, producing. I told you the concept that it produces, but the kit that it produces is a bag or uh, some little container of lenses that you can always have with you that you can use in almost any situation. So if you're put in a situation where you have to use micro four thirds, maybe you never used micro four thirds before, but you have to because that's what you're given at the site uh, on a shoot. Or if you've always used micro four thirds and you are asked to do full frame, you'll be prepared. So this is what it is. It's a kit. And I'm going to tell you what's in the kit and people um, who are a real lens connoisseur type of, type of people which I have been may I don't know I just feel like I might lose some people here but that, that's okay so I'm going to tell you what's in the kit and then for the rest of the episode I'm gonna to have to explain explain why so so the kit which you can put like I say in a small bag camera bag or whatever because it does not include the bodies the camera bodies are not in this list I'm going to give right now includes number one a 50 millimeter lens that is uh, preferably a nikon mount. And this Nikon lens does not have to be the older version with the manual aperture control. But if you're concerned that you may need to use it on a camera that does not have an adapter available that does control the aperture, then it's a good thing to, to have. So the Nikkor uh, 51.8D is my first recommendation for both cost and uh, common availability. And then uh, after that, maybe the same thing with the 514 but you can also use the G-series 50 1.8, 1.4. Those are also very good. I prefer, actually, the, the smoothness of focus when using the G-series. So, number two, you can also do a Canon mount, but I'm going to talk about the Nikon setup, and I'll tell you why. But that's the first lens. It's a 50. And it does not have to be a 1.4. In fact, 1.8 is preferable, and I won't go into details about why. I think I might have in another episode, but the short version is on Micro Four Thirds, when you put this on a 0.71 focal reducer, it's going to turn this into somewhere around a 1.4, 1.3 actually, and you don't want much more light than that in certain circumstances because it activates this thing where the flicker of fluorescent lights interferes and doesn't jive very well with the frame rate uh, shutter speed combination, and you get uh, what I call banding. and it's not good. So stick with the 1.8 and when you put it on the focal reducer, it works better. That's just based on my testing anyway. So then when you go um, on a Micro Four Thirds, I'll just say the 50 is used on a 0.71 focal reducer. When you're on Super 35 or APS, which is 1.5 or 1.6 crop, you don't use anything. It's just Uh, Well, I mean, if you're on a Nikon mount, you don't use anything. It's just a straight lens. And then, uh, well, and if you use it on a Canon, of course, you're going to get that little, very thin Nikon to Canon adapter. And then that's the only thing you'll have on there. But no optical adapter is what I mean, like a focal reducer. So, and then on full frame, here's where I might lose some people again. You put a 1.4 teleconverter on there. And I think this is the thing that I really need to prove so people can see um, that this is a legitimate idea because most people will say, you know, if you're, if you're like a prime purist, you'll say, I would never take a good prime lens and put it on a, a teleconverter when I can just go get an 85 millimeter or use that. Well, I'm going to tell you why. And there's some fun reasons for this. And this goes a little bit bigger picture. And this is, I think this is the point right here where I need to, to show the thinking process. Uh, so so people don't just tune tune out and uh, say, this guy doesn't know anything. He's just, he's ruining my 50 prime quality. Well, first of all, I have to say that most of the time people put the 1.4 teleconverter on a 70 to 200, 2.8 or a 300 or something like that, but a really good piece of glass. But yet the 50 millimeter, even if, even if it's uh, not considered as valuable as the 70 to 200 2.8, it's actually optically better, right? It, it, because it's not a zoom and there's less glass to go through. So so when you put the teleconverter on the 50, it's actually probably the best that teleconverter is ever going to uh, render uh, an image because the 50 starts out really, really optically good. And then, because it's so simple, you know, the design is so simple optically, and then when you put it on a teleconverter, you don't lose so much that it looks really bad. Now, um, when you put it on a 70-200, to 200, you are losing one stop of light. And so that becomes, you know, something around an F4-ish around there. But you, because, you know, a 1.4 teleconverter loses one stop of light, and a 2 times teleconverter loses two stops of light. So I'm not saying to use a 2x uh, teleconverter. I don't have very good uh, experience with those. Optically, they do uh, cause a lot more of a degradation. So, but let's just talk about the 1.4 teleconverter. Why do I recommend this on a 50 instead of going with an 85 prime for full frame? Well, this is my opinion, of course, and some people. Uh, let me just say here's the reasons here, real quick. The reason is, um, and this is not the primary reason, the primary reason is weight. So there's a hint. I'm going to tell you about that. But the, 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 the weight is relating to something that I'm going to spend the end of the episode talking about, probably the biggest part of it. But the first reason is cost. If you can repurpose that 50 millimeter, you don't have to go buy an 85. And optically, the 50 is really good. So I think it's one of the best things to put on a teleconverter. It's just that most often people don't think of that, you know, they don't think of putting a 50 on a teleconverter because they figure, well, just go buy an 85. Well, there's the specific focal length of 70 millimeters that is the reason I'm saying put it on a teleconverter in addition to the cost of not having to buy another lens of, you know, buying an 85. When you put a teleconverter 1.4 teleconverter on a 50, it becomes around a 70 millimeter. And now, if you can start to see a pattern here, let's talk about the specific lenses for instance, uh, for a tight shot. Okay, so um, the teleconverter concept I'm talking about, and the 50 millimeter concept in general, is for the tight shot. So on a micro four thirds camera, it's going to be on a focal reducer, a 0.71 focal reducer, which is going to take it down to about 35 millimeters optically. And then you're going to get the 2x factor, and that becomes a 70 millimeter um, crop equivalent, right? So full frame of 70 is going to be like a 35 millimeter on micro four thirds with a 2x crop. Now it's not going to be optically the same, but I'm just saying it's going to be same cropping so then that 50 millimeter without a focal reducer on APS-C or super 35 you take the multiplier for super 35 and it's 1.5 so that brings it up to 70 something so now you've got a similar focal length uh, that is a crop factor and composition and that's the key here you've got a similar composition for your tight shot to what you just did on the Micro Four Thirds camera with the 0.71 plus the 50. And then on full frame, this is the fun part, you flip this around, now you put a teleconverter on instead of putting a focal reducer because it's almost the opposite, which is really funny. You know, do the math, type it in your calculator, Uh, take the 1.4 times 50, and uh, if I can get that really quickly here, Okay, sorry, I'm not very good with math in my head, but it is exactly 70 millimeters. So 1.4 times 50 is 70 millimeters. And then back to um, a 50 on a 1.5 crop sensor, that's 75 millimeters, or a 1.6 crop uh, times 50 is 80 millimeters. So I know, yeah, we're pushing it a little bit there. And then back to micro four thirds, the 0.71 is the focal reduction uh, Times 50, 35.5. Then times 2 is 71. So the main thing is, on micro four-thirds, it's turning out like a 71 millimeter. And on full frame, it's turning out like a 70 millimeter. And admittedly, on APS-C and Super 35, it's turning out around 80. But the good news is, you're pretty close. Just using one lens and either a focal reducer for micro four thirds, make sure it's a 0.71, not a 0.64. So 0.71 focal reducer on micro four thirds, and then a 1.4 teleconverter on full frame, and you're ending up at the same spot compositionally, that is your crop factor. So that if you're this two meters away from the subject, like we talked about, this is how I build the templates, this is how I build the, what I call the plays in the playbook, Now you have a repeatable, consistent cropping for your tight shot, for that, uh, you know, tight shot for the interview or whatever it is. So maybe you can see now that's the scheme, that's the approach. That is why I have this three um, versions of each play, one for full frame, one for uh, APS-C or Super 35, and then one for Micro Four Thirds. So that's the neat thing is you can learn these plays in the playbook, for instance, the interview tells you what lens to use, how far away to be, and then you can do that with this 50 millimeter, either on full frame, on uh, Super 35, or on a micro four-thirds sensor. So that is kind of the start of the concept here, and now let me tell you... Um, So I'm sorry, I didn't get to the entire list of lenses, but because I said I would, I'm going to read those off really quickly. There's still a bit more to explain about these. I'm going to go as fast as I can here. But just um, keep in mind that the whole goal is to buy a set of lenses that you can take with you anywhere in the world, hopefully, and stay consistent with your framing. So let's go on. Beyond the 50 to the next lens that's the most important lens probably and if you had only one lens in the world i would choose a nikon 50 1.8 d because it's got the manual aperture control now it's not super easy to focus pull it, you can you can put a focus gear on it but that makes it a lot easier but uh that is a good lens especially if you're not having to change focus a lot you're just doing something like a static interview setup or youtube set or whatever you know, so. 50 millimeter. What's the next lens? Well, the next lens is going to be a disappointment because it's a kit lens. And that is my second lens recommendation is buy the kit wide angle lens for your appropriate format. So if you're on micro four thirds, that's going to be a 12 to 32 or the older 14 to 42. Or if you happen to buy the little bit a higher end camera, you're going to get the 12 to 60, which is very good. But the fact is, it's going to be a wide angle that starts at around 12 or 14. And then for APS-C or Super 35, your kit lens range is going to be about 18 to 50 or 18 to 55, somewhere around there. There's really good uh, 17 to 52.8 lenses from Sigma and Tamron. Tokina has a uh, actually a lot of interesting focal ranges but I'm sure they have something in that range but they've also got the you know like the 12 to 24 which is which is nice and I I do recommend that but my first recommendation for the basic kit remember this is the basic kit I should say so I want to make that clear because when we go to the advanced kit we do start to recommend some other lenses besides these two and Right now, you can tell we're at a very boring place for lenses. But what does that mean financially? That means that you don't have to spend a lot of money. You just bought a Nikon 50 millimeter, and then you bought a focal reducer uh, if you have micro four-thirds. And you can buy these for about $80 now. And then you uh, bought a 1.4 teleconverter if you're on full frame. So then your kit lens for micro four-thirds, I said starts at 12 or 14 around there. Uh, The kit zoom lens, wide-angle zoom. And then uh, APS-C Super 35, that's about 17 or 18 to about 50 or 55. And then for full frame, this is the weirdest thing. This is something that we just all feel like full frame has to be more expensive. But for full frame, I prefer that the wide-angle lens be like a 28 to 80. Um, it's totally fine. If your wide angle is a professional 24 to 70, 2.8, that's actually easiest because if you want to use it for the tight shot, instead of using the 50 with a teleconverter, you can. But really where this wide angle shot is going to be for full frame on the interview setup is at 35 millimeters. So you could actually go get one of those, the cheapest kit lens out there a 35 to 70 or a 35 to 80 for full frame, and you'd be covered. I mean, this is bare bones, this is basic, this is, um, you know, make it work, but this is what will actually work. And I think that a, th- a lens that starts at 35 and goes to 70 is ideal. Because the wide shot I usually use um, for an interview setup for full frame is at 35 millimeters. And then the tight shot is a uh, 70 millimeter equivalent, but I usually use that 50 on a 1.4 teleconverter. So here we are, two lenses into the system, and people are going to go, oh, that is so boring. But yet it is so versatile. So I'm going to quickly go through the rest of the lenses in this system, but for the basic kit. And there are not that many more because uh, it is based on being simple and yet versatile, able to be used with any sensor size. So then, here you go. The next lens is a 70-300 to full-frame lens from the 90s. And that was made by Tamron most of the time, but marketed as Tamron or ProMaster 7 or even Quantary, I believe, used the same Tamron 70-300. to 300. But then also, and I prefer the Sigma compared to the Tamron for certain reasons, but then Sigma has the same thing a seventy to three hundred I, I think it's a seventy. I was thinking it was seventy five to three hundred, but I think that's the older model, but Sigma has a number of really good seventy to three hundred lenses for Nikon mount that you can use on either full frame or you know adapted on micro four thirds of the smallest sensor, and then of course, you can use it natively on Super 35 or APS-C cameras if you've got the corresponding Canon or Nikon mount, etc. So that's the third lens. And again, very boring, right? That's that's a super, super, I don't know what you call it. Uh, it's not very well thought of. But this is the reason to use that lens. On Micro Four Thirds, it is a telephoto uh, dream. And you might say, well, how can this really old uh, sort of, not very well thought after lens be a dream. Well, the reason is because when you crop in on the sensor at 2x, you get the the cropping of about 600 millimeters. So it I've used uh, it's really nice. I've used a 70 to 300 on micro four thirds for a little league baseball, things of that sort. I never had any need to go beyond that 300 millimeters uh, and I was standing in one place and I could cover the entire field. Now, I know that's not a professional baseball field, which is going to be bigger, but I'll just say that I've never had a need to go beyond 300 millimeters on micro four-thirds. And you, if you take a look at the full-frame equivalent of 600 millimeters, you'll notice that most professionals, even sports photographers, they don't really go beyond 600 millimeters most of the time on full-frame. So you're totally covered for your telephoto needs on micro four-thirds with that lens. Now, I do put a focal reducer of 0.71 on there just to protect the sensor so that it's never exposed to dust or, or any sort of uh, debris. But if you use a straight adapter on micro four thirds with a 70 to 300, I, I mean, you really have enough telephoto for almost any situation. But now you might ask, what about the horrible variable aperture aspect of that 70 to 300 lens? Well, here's my <laughs> my use for that lens. It's mostly outdoors, so you really don't have a problem there. The only problem is the fact that you're going to have to change your exposure when you zoom in. That is a that is sort of a bother. And if you do have extra money, it's totally fine to go buy a, a non-variable aperture lens, but your cost is going to skyrocket. Let me just give you a little note about how inexpensive the 70-300 to 300 from the 90s, the one I'm talking about, the Tamron or the Sigma, Uh, is I have purchased about five of these and sometimes I've uh, resold them I've had people need them I gave them to them there's different things that has happened I have two of them right now but I typically buy these on shopgoodwill.com and in the U.S. you can get it shipped for about five or six dollars sometimes and the handling price is about three or four dollars maybe so the total cost oh by the way They usually go for about $10 on auction. Most of the time because people don't want them. But then shipping and handling, the total cost is never more than $25 or $30 for one of these. And that's in good condition. You can take a look at the photos and make sure it's not all beat up. And I've gotten really clean ones. In fact, the last one I got was in the box from the 90s, a ProMaster 7. And it's in really good condition. So to me, this is like the... The, uh, the best find for a lens that is versatile for all uses. I'm sorry, not all uses, but for all systems. That is a telephoto that can work on either micro four thirds, um, APS-C or Super 35, and then also full frame. So then here's the part that I'm not super happy about, and that is I still recommend putting the 1.4 teleconverter on it when you go to full frame. But again, knowing that you're going to be mainly using this outdoors it's not such a big deal, it's it's really okay. And so you can use this outdoors, and because full frame has the ability to reduce the depth of field, you're not gonna have a problem uh, blurring the background, especially when you're optically at two uh, or 300, you don't really have a problem blurring the background because of the compression of the perspective the telephoto uh, in that range uh, will create. So. It's easy to blur the background, even on micro four thirds with a uh, 0.71 focal reducer, I can blur the background pretty easy um, at most positions of that lens. And you may have a little problem when you're all the way out at 70 millimeter perhaps, but usually you're in at least around 100 millimeters to get the composition right outdoors. So that's it. I'm really um, kind of looking at this whole thing and saying, wow, I just recommend that people buy a 50 millimeter, a kit wide angle lens and a kit telephoto lens. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, um, am I saying anything that's valuable for the people to listen to? And I think I think it is because it's how you use them. It's, it's the concept of using a uh, 0.71 focal reducer on micro four thirds and then no adapter on, well, unless you're converting uh, from one Nikon mount to Canon mount, but no adapter really on uh, Super 35 APS-C. And then on full frame using the 1.4 teleconverter, you get the equivalent focal length and therefore the equivalent framing between all three sensor formats. And that really is my goal. And that's sort of what I wanted to introduce today. But thank you again for listening. And this was... um, I just I just keep having I keep having these second thoughts about it because I look back and like I say I just recommended the the three most boring lenses except for the 50 everybody likes the 50 but I just kind of recommended the three most boring lenses that nobody wants to buy and uh but hopefully you see the value and we'll talk later about actually how to implement using these and that is the goal for my website is to create a list of what I call plays that use Um, equipment that is portable, affordable, and common, that is commonly available if you go try to find it. It's not hard to find. So that's it again. So check out silverlightphotoco.com and I will be putting information up there. It will be uh, continuing to grow and there's no subscription available yet, but once it is available at that time, I will be breaking the content into three sections, meaning the minimal kit, the basic kit, and the advanced kit. Thank you again. Have a great day.